My name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast. I have a special treat for you this week, a four-way panel discussion featuring my friends and yours, Nate Spearing from Life on Target, Matt Reynolds from Barbell Logic, Brandon Lansdowne from Reformation Coffee, and our new teammate, the stealth ninja, Garrett Barty, all together talking about biblical fatherhood. You are the Renaissance. One of the nicest things that a listener said to me recently is that he likes my content because to him, I always seem to be a man on a journey. Not only is that true about me in general, but I know it also surfaces in my podcast. Just listen to my first year of episodes to see that in action. But I wasn't aware that it had an appeal to it. It's just not something I considered, but I guess it makes sense. I am and have been committed to not presenting myself as the guy. I am not a model for all men. I don't want to be a model for all men. And I don't think I ever could be a model for all men. Only one man is a model for all men, and that man's name is Jesus Christ. But even in the first year of my content, though I wouldn't have said Christ's name in quite that way, I still felt the same way about being a guide because I have always considered it my responsibility to point you to men who I think exemplify various aspects of masculinity, to highlight their good qualities so you can see the same things I do, in the hopes that they inspire you the way that they do me. That's what the Renaissance of Men was intended to be, a gallery of sorts of men on the path. Today, after more than three years, I've refined my taste, let's say, and acquired better discernment, but I still think of myself as that guide, not to be the guy who has all the answers, but a guy blessed to know men who have their own. And I think that's how my personal journey has surfaced. Who am I listening to? Who am I learning from? What am I exploring? How is it changing me? And where am I going, taking you along with me? I enjoy sharing that with you, and God willing, I'll get to do it for a very long time to come because I'm very much looking forward to the next phase of this journey someday. Which brings me to my guests this week. You'll recognize their names. Well, most of them. Nate Spearing, Matt Reynolds, Brandon Lansdowne, and our new addition, Garrett Barty. They're men that I look up to, admire, and learn from, who help paint a picture for me of what I pray to God is one of my next destinations, biblical fatherhood. What does it mean to be a husband and a father in God's eyes? and by his commands. Yes, I can read the book, and I can read books about the book, but I'm very much a show-me style learner, and thankfully, these four men provide examples to me of how to go about it, so I can prepare mentally, emotionally, and spiritually for the day when it might get to be my turn. The guys and I recorded this panel discussion via a live stream on YouTube a couple weeks ago, and I thought it would be a nice treat for those of you who weren't able to join us to hear what these men had to share of their experience being fathered and being fathers. To that point, I'll keep this intro short and let the men introduce themselves. But before I do, this episode is proudly presented by Reformation Coffee. Reformation Coffee wants to be the coffee of Christendom, overthrowing the dominion of woke globalist coffee, providing godly prosperity for a good man and his family, and making hand-roasted single-origin beans a staple of your morning cup. Pastor Brandon Lansdowne in Springfield, Missouri, took his passion for roasting coffee and made it his profession. These aren't drop-shipped beans with a label slapped on. This is craftsmanship and dedication, 
because Brandon roasts every bag of coffee by hand. Not only that, he roasts within three days of your order and ships immediately after, which means he's not sending you stale beans that have been sitting on a shelf somewhere. You order, he roasts, then his family packs and ships, and your morning coffee experience is transformed. So I encourage you to visit ReformationCoffee.com and order coffee today. Choose from one of Brandon's four signature roasts and sign up for their email list to get notified when he releases his new espresso blend. Keep listening to find out more about that. Plus, you can subscribe to Reformation for regular coffee delivery. Fresh roasted beans delivered to your door. And when you sign up using the code SUBFREE, you'll get one free bag of coffee on the house. Again, subscribe to regular coffee delivery from Reformation and use the code SUBFREE to get one free 12-ounce bag of coffee. You don't support globalism in the public square? Why are you supporting it in your coffee? Go with Reformation instead, and let's make them the coffee of Christendom. And please welcome this week's guest on the podcast for this all-star panel about biblical fatherhood, Nate Spearing, Matt Reynolds, Brandon Lansdowne, and Garrett Barty. All right, gentlemen, welcome to the Basics of Biblical Fatherhood panel. Thank you guys so much for being here. This is the first live stream that I've done on the Renaissance of Men, and so I'm very grateful uh, for the four of you being a part of it. Just real quick, uh, before before we get started with introductions, uh, I just want to let the audience know why I wanted to do this panel. A big focus for me this year is going to be around offline Christianity. Last year, 2023, was a really big year for talking about um, big concepts in the Christian space, the Reformed Christian world, you know, Christian nationalism being one of the biggest, but certainly there are many others. And I found that myself and others, um, it was very easy to spend a lot of time getting involved in online debates about theology and politics and culture. And I think that was really important for the moment that it had. But I also found that to some extent, it was unsatisfying, meaning talking about big ideas is very different from living those out in the faith in day-to-day life and practice. And all four of you men have been hugely influential to me in terms of my own Christian walk. Again, I didn't grow up in a Christian family, so I've been having to figure out what it means to be a Christian man as I go. You know, I I love my dad. Uh, My dad is not Christian, and so I've had to learn what it is to be a Christian man from the Christian husbands and fathers around me who have been living it for much longer longer than I have. And so uh, I wanted to have you four on specifically because you've blessed my life so much to pass on some of your wisdom. Garrett, I think it was you that had said that uh, Christianity is in many ways caught, not taught. And that was just one of the great lessons that you gave me that made a huge impact and has made a huge impact on my life, which we'll talk about. So I'm hoping that some of the men who will be listening uh, will be able to catch some of the ideas, some of the practices that inform your lives as Christian husbands and fathers to inform their offline Christian life as much as their online Christian life. So offline Christianity is a big theme this year, and I really want to thank you guys for participating in this with me and and contributing your knowledge and wisdom. I'm very grateful we were able to make this happen. So um, let's start with uh, some brief introductions. Um, Just go around the room, say say a little bit about uh, who each of you are, maybe a bit about your background, the things that you do, and then we'll jump into some questions. It looks like, it looks like we've got 15 people watching in the live stream, which is pretty exciting. And so then we'll take questions from the audience. So Nate, we'll just start with you. Yeah, good to be here, Will. Thanks for setting this up. And uh, Nathan Spearing, I am the oldest of seven children, born and raised in Alabama, 
uh, homeschooled my entire life and entered the army at, at age 19 and ended up doing about 14 years in special operations, 12 combat deployments. And then for uh, over six years or so now, I have been running a remodeling construction business, doing some real estate stuff with our family, and then more recently starting a homestead. So uh, kind of bounced around the world, saw a lot of things and have kind of resolved to focus locally in my town and build uh, my family, build my business and build my local church and uh, kind of try to minimize what I ingest from around the world and focus focus locally um, for, for the last several years. So glad to be here and uh, looking forward to learning from everybody else here too. Thanks, Nate. Brandon? Uh, yeah, my name is Brandon Lansdowne, and uh, I'm in southwest Missouri, and I am a pastor of Quorum Deo Reformed Church, and that is um, something that we have been, uh, I have been involved in that we started not quite two years ago, almost, um, been in ministry of various sorts and roles for, um, gosh, 20, 21 years now, I've been Happily married to my high school sweetheart for 24 years. We have uh, two kids, a uh, daughter who is the oldest at 21, just married her off last October, and my son who's 18, who's still here in the house. And uh, also am the owner, one of the owners, I guess, and uh, roaster of Reformation Coffee. And so we stay really busy between all of those things, between, uh, you know, pastoring, shepherding a church and getting people their coffee on time and uh, just uh, being a husband and a father. And I'm sure there are some other things, but those are the, the high points. I see that mug. Um, That's right. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here and to, to hear from you guys and to contribute. Uh, just things that I've learned over the years. And and so, yeah, just looking forward to it. Excellent. Thank you. Garrett? Yeah, Garrett Barty. Um, grew up in Ohio, uh, became a Christian at a very early age. Um, married my high school sweetheart and uh, then went off to the Air Force, um, flew uh, jets in the Air Force. Um, have uh, five children. One's adopted. Our youngest is adopted. Um, and now I fly planes for a living, so, um, we can get more into stuff, but I'll just keep it short. I'll end it there. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Garrett. Matt. I am, uh, Matt Reynolds. I, uh, I actually, Brandon is my pastor and I was, uh, <laughs> one of these that, uh, was part of the, uh, original planting families of, of Coram Deo Reformed Church. I am the uh, CEO of Barbell Logic, which is one of the larger online fitness coaching companies in the world. I uh, won my pro card in Strongman in uh, 2006 and uh, been an elite level powerlifter in my previous life. Uh, also married to my high school sweetheart for 24 years. It's actually her birthday tonight. Mm. So, <laughs> so happy birthday, babe. We're go uh, It's my birthday in three days, so we're going to we're going to celebrate on Wednesday night. And so, uh, yeah, I've got uh, two kiddos, a uh, daughter who's 18, almost 19, and one that's 13. And uh, have a pretty good-sized business at this point with about 100 employees. 
and uh, life is crazy as a CEO. And I'm an elder in training at a Quorum Deo and walking through that with Brandon, excited to, to move into that um, in no hurry, certainly. And uh, just want to live a life that is worthy of being an elder and know that uh, when God calls me to it, then God will call me to it. So uh, excited to, to be part of the discussion for sure. Wonderful. Thank you guys. So just to the first question that I want to ask um, before we get into how you balance the demands of being a husband and a father and growing spiritually and self-care is if you can think back to the lessons that you learned from your fathers, those of you who grew, grew up in the faith, what were the most important lessons or what was the most important lesson that you took you know, from your upbringing, particularly from your father about life as a Christian man? Um, and, and that can be applicable to when you became a father or as you were growing up, just a little a nugget of wisdom that perhaps he passed along or your grandfather as well that he passed along that really stuck with you and, and, and that informed how you conducted your faith as you were going forward. So we'll just, I'll, we'll just go popcorn eventually, but for right now, let's just start with you, Nate, Nate, because you, uh, you grew up and I'm sure that you can, uh, as one of seven children, you probably have a did, couple different stories you can tell. Did you grow up, Nate? Is that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shots we, fired. We, no, we were jo- we were joking that if someone had to kill another human being, Nate is obviously the the leader of the group here. So, <laughs> yeah, I um, I I remember very vividly my dad kind of his mantra being, um, we, well, we've talked about this before. What a blessing it is to have a father and mother that are uh, still in love with each other that were married, that loved each other well um, in front of us. Um, Obviously, as kids, you get to see the rough edges and the things that your father also doesn't do well, but ultimately loved my mother. Um, But I remember kind of a mantra that he would say is, is, who is your God? And he would say, ask that question. And then if, if, if your God is the God of the Bible, then, you know, what does he require of you? and and would ask that kind of question in various contexts to other people and would if if your if your god uh is the god of the bible then okay now what does he require of you if he is your god um and and it's all right there so um and then that was kind of the question when there was potentially something conflicting with uh god being reigning supreme in my my life is 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 that your God, or um or you know who is your God? Um, so I think that that um that standard of the 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 Bible being what God requires of us, it being right there and and being called to obey it um, in every area um, was 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 really just kind of hammered home in in everything that he did to me. Can you give an example of, of when that really landed for you? Um, I, I, I guess nothing really jumps out um, right away, just more of it being kind of consistent uh, throughout. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that I, it was I would more often see him counseling other families, other men, uh, other uh, of my friends that maybe came into the house more so than me being in the hot seat and him rebuking me, um, about a specific sin, but just kind of saying, well, Hey, let's, let's look at the Bible. Where does it say that, you know, where, Mm -hmm. where is it? Where is this, 
particular way that you're living or this particular things you're saying uh, seen in scripture? And mm -hmm. what, what is, what is the, the biblical context for that? Or is this, you know, something that, uh, uh, you know, the church uh, narrative or the, 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 the catchphrases that they're saying that maybe aren't even found in the Bible. Um, mm -hmm. So. Matt, I think I've heard you say that you grew up a preacher's kid as well. Yeah. Maybe. You can... uh, yeah, for sure. I was a Southern Baptist preacher's kid. I uh, actually lost my dad about two years ago to mm. Louis body dementia, which is kind of kind of like the worst combination of Alzheimer's and and uh, Parkinson's. Mm. And uh, but my I had a great dad, had a great relationship. with My dad, he modeled uh, yeah. what a biblical marriage should look like. He modeled uh, he was an excellent parent. Uh, he taught me the gospel. Uh, there were things now I would love to go back. Uh, you know, my, my, my dad wasn't a Calvinist. He wasn't post mill. Uh, he was Southern Baptist. I've, I've become more Presbyterian. I would love to have those conversations with him. Now I, I joke that he is all of those things now, uh, <laughs> that now that he's with Jesus. And, and so, uh, can't wait to have those discussions with my dad. Uh, but man, my, you know, my dad taught me the, the most important things in life, which was the, the, the true gospel and the good news of Jesus and that we were never going to, I was never going to be good enough to earn my salvation. Um, he loved my mom incredibly well. Ooh, dang it. Here we go. And now I'll get choked up and, uh, and loved us well. And, uh, and so miss miss those conversations with him and would love to have those and can't wait to have those one day um there were probably places that he was right and i and i think i'm right now but maybe maybe i'm not and uh but we'll all be right one of these days when we're glorified and so um you know i got to see i got to see the goodness of the ministry and i got to see the hard stuff in in ministry and um and so I'm very grateful that he taught me the stuff that really mattered. Um, he did not teach me, and I and I I don't have, um, I don't have animosity necessarily for this. It, it took me some while to get through it, but he 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 was a naturally emotive, not in not in an effeminate way, but he he um, he loved my mom well. He would he would get us in trouble. He was a disciplinarian. But he would always come in and tell us that he loved us and that he cared about us afterwards. You know, it was never um, once the discipline occurred, he he wouldn't hold that against us. And uh, once the discipline was done, it was done. Um, those things he did incredibly well. He didn't teach me how to teach how to treat uh, my wife. Uh, he like he didn't literally teach me that. He modeled it well. Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't teach me that. He didn't teach me about about debt or finance or masculinity or or being strong or or how to lead in a way that was masculine some of those things i wish he had done um some of those things came naturally to him and some of them didn't and and i can look back and say well these are places that uh, and i think this is what we all do is we look at what our dads taught us well and we try to take it and move the ball down the field. And we look at the places that he they didn't. And we say, well, this is where I can improve with my own children. And so, um, but I had a great relationship with my dad right to the very end. And, um, you know, I'm 
grateful that he's not suffering anymore and can't wait to have those discussions one day in glory for sure. Well, really, I really appreciate you sharing all that, uh, Matt, especially, especially the emotion behind it, because these are these questions of, of fatherhood and, and family are among the most significant, if not the most significant. And, uh, and I appreciate, um, I appreciate the opportunity to experience a little bit of what he meant to you and what he taught you. So thank but you for that. Probably won't be the last time I cry on the, uh, you guys that know me, Brandon knows me well. <laughs> I wish I, you know, I wish it weren't the case. Like it's, it's it, honestly, it's a, it's kind of a, like I'm sort of embarrassed about my emotion, but I think I I've lived a lot of life and for people that know my story and maybe we'll get into that some, but people have heard my story on other podcasts. I've just, I think at 45 years old, I have, I have lived a lot of life and, and the more life I live, the gravity of that hits a little harder. And mm -hmm. so, um, it, you know, where I was more hardened in my twenties and thirties, as I've gotten into my forties, I'm, I'm softened. And mm -hmm. so, um, so yeah, I'm, you know, there's, there's times when I I've, I've had the opportunity, Brandon's given me up the opportunity to preach now a few times at church. And, uh, I, I you know, I pray, I, I don't want my emotions to be the thing that is like the, the the focal point because when i'm preaching i want the focus to be about jesus and and the and the scripture and and god's word and and uh and yet i just man i just my affections are stirred for jesus and for the gospel mm -hmm. and so and the and the longer i live and the more life i live the gravity of that hits and uh it's really hard for me to control that and so it's uh i do the best i can but um yeah you know, it hits. I'm I miss my dad, and I would love to have these conversations. I sat down with my mom a couple weeks ago and uh, completely surprised her and said, "Mom, I, I think I'm a Presbyterian." <laughs> and we had that whole conversation, and uh, and and we we joked and we cried and we laughed and and said, "Man, how how awesome would it be if my if dad was here to have this conversation? I would love to have this conversation with my dad, and uh, and one day I will." And, uh, and then we'll both be right. And that, that'll be the good part about it. So. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we'll definitely, we'll get into the, the Baptists and Presbyterian, the, the baptism issue for sure. I would like to at least, uh, Garrett, Brandon, does one of you, one of you guys want to, um, pick up from that? Like something that you picked up from, from your dad or your upbringing that was, that was powerful for you, for, for you as you went forward. Sure. I'll get, yeah. Um, so the, the thing that I, uh, you know, my, my dad, um, he was what I call first generation Christian. So came mm. from a, you know, a unbelieving family. Um, and so, uh, it's cool to see God work generationally and, um, you know, everything I have in my life is built and, and flowed from that foundation that he first laid. Um, and he wasn't perfect man and, and neither am I, and we would all agree that none of us are. Um, but you know, the thing I always emphasize when people, um, talk can you guys see me by the way my signal's yeah. kind of weak my, okay, okay. Yep. So, yeah, all right look great well, the, the things that i um uh emphasize that if i were to distill it down to the main things that really um blessed me greatly from him was um the gospel and a high a ultimate high regard for the word of god um you know obviously we're doing this podcast to talk about biblical fatherhood and, you know, assume that people are looking, what does that look like? And it's kind of like, you know, in a fire, if you're in an aircraft, um, the first thing you do is you put on your own oxygen mask. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, you can't help anybody unless you do that. So um, if you, you know, he gave me that, right? So if you have God, really, if you have God, you have everything you need. Um, but very quickly after that, and it's the blinds are blurred because the Bible is the spoken word of the Heavenly Father. Um, it's not a it's not just a book. Um, the pages and ink are obviously just pages and ink, but the um, the message is divine. And so, um, you know, I, I that just stuck um, by the grace of God that stuck from him. And um, really, when I just kind of walk my life back, uh, major milestones, growth, things like that, um, those things are what carried me through. And um, really, you know, that's the foundation for everything else. So, um, you know, I'm very appreciative of those things. Excellent. Brandon? Yeah, well, um, my experience has been, was um, pretty different from everyone else's. And so I want to be careful here not to... To, to, to be disrespectful towards uh, my father. Uh, I have a great relationship with him um, now, today, but um, I didn't have any of those experiences. Uh, my parents divorced when I was young and I was raised primarily by my mom. And uh, yeah, uh, my dad wasn't a very good dad. And uh, <clears throat> I think he tried. And so, you know, I want to give him that. But uh, I don't I don't recall a lot of experiences uh, or lessons <clears throat> that I picked up from him in regards of, of what it was to be a man. Um, I didn't feel like uh, certainly I didn't know it at the time. But as I as I got older and I got married and had kids of my own and look back, I don't know of a lot of times where that that was exemplified for me uh, in in his um his decisions and, and the things that, that he did. Uh, like I said, I've got a good relationship with him now, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't have any one thing that I could say that I, I feel like that, that he taught me well in regards to, to, to being a man, to being a husband, to being a father. Um, he's shown me some, some more of that as, as he's gotten older and he's become a grandfather and, um, certainly values uh, family much more than, than at least what I thought he did when I was a child. And so, um, you know, I've, I've said to my wife uh, a number of times, <clears throat> say it very humbly, not as a brag, is I don't know, you know, because she tells me I'm a good man. She tells me I'm a good husband and a good father and my kids love me and they respect me. Um, I don't know how I got here other than by the grace of God, um, because I don't feel like those were things that my, my father instilled in me. Um, and that's, you know, that's even as I say it now, I mean, it's something that stings a little bit still. Um, so I, I guess one thing that I could say that, that he, he taught me unbeknownst to him, um, were those things that I didn't want to do. Mm. I wanted to do the things better that I feel like I felt like he didn't do well for me. Yeah, uh, Brandon, I think, you know, first off, Brandon is probably my best friend at, at this point. I mean, we literally talk every day and his wife and my wife are super close as well. And I I think a lot of times with our our community and not not just Brandon and my and Corm Dale, but but us as men in the kind of reform community that 
that we see. I, th I think we are, we're thinkers. We, we think about these things. Um, my daughter has a serious boyfriend and um, Brandon's daughter was just married. And I remember one of the first things that my wife and, and my daughter told uh, my daughter's boyfriend was, you know, listen to Matt because he thinks about all of the things like <laughs> he has a reason he believes the things he does. And when I think about Brandon, it's it's a similar thing. And so and so obviously the story would be, ha you know, it's it's not all fairy tales. And and I'm sure that it would be a happier story, Brandon, if you had, you know, these these wonderful models that your dad could have given you that you could take from him. But I I I've seen in your life that you've been able to think deeply about the things that he wasn't able to provide for you and you have thought about those things and and very deeply in in a way to be able to express that and communicate that and pour that wisdom into your own kids into your wife into your into your church community and caring for the souls of the people in your church and so you know there's i think there can be a silver lining in all those things and so um i i know you you wish that your dad was probably a, a better christian but i've I've I think you've learned a lot of lessons from them, regardless, um, even if they were even if they were how not to do the thing, because you're a thinker and you you consider those things. If I could jump in Go on ahead. that too, that may be, um, kind of something that's difficult that you wrestle with in the Christian faith is that you know you can say that he's a a good and perfect God, yet look at this thing look at the way this is working itself out how come my dad did these things or how come this is this this evil is manifesting itself in in some way and the reality is is we are who we are today as a result of the suffering in our life and the good things and you know the the ability to 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 think honestly and to process uh what our parents did and failed to do, but then also to, to strike out boldly in the promises of God, uh, from, from where we are now and based on what we have, um, you know, and, and maybe more so even just for those in the audience's benefit, um, then maybe specifically applies to Brandon, but just that we are the sum of, of the good and the bad that God has allowed in our lives. Yeah, I'd like to add something that um, uh, it, it just I, I share it all the time. It's uh, it's a quote that I got from Doug Wilson um, says that God calls you from where you are, not from where you should be. Right. And, and we think that God calls us from where we should be. Right. And, and probably the people that are least uh, acquainted with the gospel would think that way. And that's kind of just the nature of all of us think that way at times. Um, but we really need to believe that God is sovereign and that where we are, despite all the ugliness, um, there is a purpose behind it. Romans 8.28 says, um, for all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Um, and so, you know, all good stories. I mean, um, Will, you do, um, I think, uh, a good bit on, um, you know, literature on your channel, right? Hmm. And nobody likes to read the story that says, Billy was born, he lived a perfect life, and he lived happily ever after. Like, that's the least interesting thing to read, right? And, and God is the greatest author of all. He's the author of actual history. Um, and so, 
you know, uh, this is why I think it's so good to read good fiction is because um, you can almost, you know, I'm, I'm speaking in like the gray area here, but you can almost start to appreciate the pain and the imperfections of life because you start to see, you just start to see how God writes life, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there's something beautiful about Jesus coming as, you know, a poor man that's born in a feed trough. And, um, and you know, he's from Nazareth, right? He's from the hood. Um, and he did not come as the, you know, firstborn of, you know, the great king and, you know, all that, right? Like he did not come as an elite, right? And there's something beautiful about that. Um, it, just one other thing I want to say, just to encourage the audience is that, you know, a lot, like we live in the shambles of uh, a, a wrecked culture, right? Yep. Um, Brandon, you shared, um, Will, you shared some too. Um, I just want to encourage everybody that doesn't have or uh, didn't have a Christian father. Um, and, you know, you hear, you feel the spirit moving inside of you and you want to make a better life for your family. Um, you know, as, as much of a blessing as a human father is, um, that we actually, all of us have a father. Um, and he's actually a more real father than our biological fathers. Amen. Um, biological fathers have connection to us biologically, genetically, but they really are just an image of the true father. Um, they are either a bad image um, or they are a varying shades of good image. So, um, you know, those who want to black pill and say, well, I don't have a father. I didn't have that. There's no hope for me. Um, there's more to the story than that. And so, um, you know, hopefully they can find the true father and, um, you know, he'll call you from where you are, not from where you should be. And it's it'll work out. Well, it, it it gives me hope for my kids that my, as again as a as a post mill sort of guy, my I I hope to move the ball down the field. My my parents did a great job of moving the ball down the field from from their parents. My my grandparents, great grandparents, they were they were extremely poor, uneducated. We're you know Southwest Missouri farmers, uneducated. My dad's generation was the first generation that was educated, but they were educated. They were pastors and they were teachers and they were, but they moved the ball down the field and they were imperfect in that. And, and I think I can say, you know, if God continues to bless us that, that we've moved the ball down the field, but I hope my kids can learn from both the good that we've done and will learn from the mistakes that I've made and that my wife have made and that they move the ball down the field because we're, we're playing the long game here. I'm not, I'm not trying to build wealth to, to spend my money on me or that that's not, that's what, that's not what moving the ball down the field is. I'm thinking about my grandkids and my great grandkids and my great, great grandkids and, and generations beyond me that I will never know that will learn lessons from me and lessons from my children, both good and bad. And so if they are, if we, if we can, if we can create, if we can teach learners and thinkers, then they will take the good and they'll also learn from the mistakes that we made and they'll move the ball down the field. That's the goal. So that generation after generation after generation continues to build into Christendom because I believe that Jesus is sitting on the throne right now and, and that and that that's that's the goal so i want to contribute there both in my successes and in my failures 
And so that's and so and so to me, there there's some there's some incredible grace there that I don't have to be perfect, that I can be honest and vulnerable and transparent with my children and one day with my grandchildren, future grandchildren, that they can learn from both the, you know, the good that grandpa did and the struggles and learn from both and move the ball down the field. Yeah, that, that's actually, I just, sorry, move me on, Will, if I'm... No, no, please go ahead. <laughs> I wanted to say, I think that's some of the greatest leadership we can do as fathers is, is what Matt just said. When it's not well, in the positive examples, it's actually in the, uh, when Matt was saying that, you know, they learn from our mistakes. I think that's actually, because of the gospel, those are golden mines of um, opportunity where if you... So first, we don't want to sin, right? Like we don't want to create moments where we fail, right? But we will. And when you get those moments, hopefully they're fewer and less frequent. But when they happen, you have an opportunity to say, I'm wrong. And will you forgive me? And that is the greatest kind of leadership because that will stick with them. What it looks like to be humble, to repent, to ask for forgiveness, way more than some Bible study lesson, right? And yeah. so it's like you you get to 10x your uh, teaching to your children. To, you get to 10x their discipleship in that moment compared to like, hey, read this book by this PhD, right? So um, and not only should like, do we have a hope that they're going to learn from those moments? I think they're actually um, some of the best moments, although we obviously don't want to intentionally sin. But um, yeah, so that those are, I mean, I we miss them, you know, through pride and through uh, maybe inattention, but um, they, they can be really good. And this is, this is of course, all very relevant to me, you know, Brandon, a lot of what you said is as well, uh, you know, because I, I grew up in a Jewish family. Um, my dad, my dad and I have a great relationship now. In fact, my birthday was last week. He took me out for my, for my birthday on my actual day. And then the Saturday before, and, you know, we have, we talk a lot and hang out and, you know, I'm going in a very different direction from the rest of the rest of my family, a very different faith tradition. In fact, my extended family is, is basically a matriarchy, which is a big reason why, why I, they don't want me around so much anymore. Um, and so, but I also look at the family that I grew up in. I, of course, I, I love my dad and my, my parents had a very troubled marriage. And uh, I feel very grateful to God for um, redeeming me and find, and meeting me where I was at. And giving me the shot to do something way better than everything in my family, basically. You know, I look at my dad's parents um, who uh, who were in Brooklyn. They both lived until their late 90s, 98, 99 years old. And they had a very happy marriage, as far as I could tell. And they were very, they were very cheerful people. But what was modeled for me growing up was something very, very different. And it's been a very long road to walk out of that. Um, and that's, that is the promise of the Gospels, redemption. Is the promise that, as Garrett, as you said, all things work together for the good, and all means all, and so that is um, that has been something that I've witnessed in my life. In fact, um, my first clue as to the character of God when I was first beginning all of this was the existence of redemption at all. Like, why does it work in such a way that out of great that beauty can come out of great tragedy? Why does it work that way? There's no reason that it should work that way, but that's the consistent report of so many people who stick with some of these terrible things that happen. And when they see them all the way through, they're put in a better place than if it had never happened at all. Why? Well, that is, that's the sort of thing that can only exist in a universe with God who makes that possible. And so, um, so Brandon, your experience is very, is very relevant to mine. 
why am I here talking about this? I don't know, only by the grace of God. And so, um, and so all of the experiences that we've collectively had around uh, fathers, good and bad, present and not, you know, living and not are all relevant to this. So I'm, I'm grateful uh, that, that all of you guys are bringing these experiences forward. So, um, so the question then, I mean, one of the, one of the things that, that uh, the, the common theme that I hear you all saying is that um, the process of, of being a Christian husband and father isn't necessarily about the discipline so much as we're going to do family worship or we're going to do Bible study today or, or that is a part of it. I, I don't want to get to that. But what I'm, what I'm hearing is that a lot of it is just in the everyday being, the, the ability to, to be a man who apologizes, you know, who doesn't have to put on a, 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 a facade of being something that he isn't, that he can be a, a full a full human being, it sounds like to me. Yeah, for sure. And I, I come back to consistency a lot. I mean, it's it's about being consistent. And so if if I expect, I, I, I've told my, I have a 13-year-old who, by the way, I'm, I'm going to brag on her for a second. She, she was in a science fair uh, today and she is not, she's very introverted and she's terrified of public speaking and her older sister who's, 18 almost 19 is the opposite she's like the older is is like me she'd give her a podium and she she's got a message to tell the world and my and my youngest won the science fair today that was a big deal because of what i knew it was going to do for her for her confidence and uh and yet we have the lesson a lot with her she she is more of the stubborn child (laughs) and uh that the the one of the first great lessons in life is understanding and and being authentic in the term my fault mm-hmm. my fault it's personal responsibility right and so and so just like garrett said um there are we know that we are fallible men and we're going to make mistakes we know that there's going to be times that we lead well and that we we do the things right but when we don't it's imperative that we are able to authentically say, this is my fault, that dad was sinful here. And, and the consistency in that, I think, is actually what matters. And so when, when one out of 10 mistakes, and, and let's not say mistakes, one out of 10 sin that, that my kids see me in, if I take personal responsibility for it, there's no consistency there, right? And so... The difference that we make with our children and and with our wife and with our church community and the people that we lead and the and the younger men that we mentor, I think is being consistent in being able to be transparent and vulnerable. And 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 I think this is this is not to open a can of worms, but I you know, I think this is one of the problems that we have in the in the reform community of the all the infighting of let's throw each other under the bus and like it's constantly about what the uh, like we're we're murdering millions of babies every single year and yet we're arguing about when they get baptized like how about we come together and fight the culture battle of murdering the millions of babies right and so there there's this part of me that's like i, I i'm i'm struggling with this issue of can we take responsibility for the thing that actually matters on a consistent basis. And then yes, let's have the discussions about that like great good debates, great debates, you know, 
debates and discussions that are grounded in biblical truth, these things all matter. But ultimately, I want my kids to see me both as a leader and and when I do well, they can recognize that. And when I don't, I can take personal responsibility for that because that is a major life lesson that I'm trying to teach them. And and it's not one in 10 or one in five. It's every time that occurs, the consistency of being able to handle that well is is key. And obviously, nobody does that with perfect consistency. But that consistency to me is really the thing that makes the difference. Garrett, I saw you smile. Oh, did I? I can't win. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I have some. I mean, one thing I, I you know, I'm not a YouTuber. And so uh, who knows who's listening? I mean, I think one thing just that I um, is important to me to get across. Um, we're going to say a lot of good things already. A lot of good things have been said. But I think that um, cause I, um, cause I'm a nerd and I do homework for fun. Um, I was like, well, what else is out there on the internet about biblical fatherhood and things like that? And, um, you know, there's some good stuff. Um, but a, one video in particular, I mean, the guy seemed like a really solid Christian, but he just really hit home on what I would call techniques or methods. Um, and I think that that's one of the fears that I would have for anybody listening to this is that. They glom on to the the stuff, the the techniques, the methods like be transparent, be authentic, um, you know, do family worship, go to church, uh, sing, you know, sing as a man. Right. Like all those things are good. Um, but if you miss Christ, then you've missed it all. And all you've done is is, you know, instead of building a, a family tree of um, generational blessing through Christ, you've just built a family tree of Pharisees. Right. Mm. And that is terrible. Like that's like, I think the Pharisees are according to Dante, they're pretty low on the levels of hell, right? <laughs> like the pagans are way up top. <laughs> so, I mean, that's one of the worst things you could do is be a hypocrite. Um, and so the way you don't be a hypocrite is that you repent of your sins, you believe in Christ and you, um, you become a Christian, right? You, you're, you're regenerated. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't want to, just harp on that. I mean, it's a good thing to harp on, but, um, you know, techniques are good. Like, okay, dude, how do we do that? What does that look li like lived out? But you've got to make sure you get the foundation, right? Otherwise, you know, as Jesus said, you're building on sand, uh, foundation, it's going to wash away. Um, and so, um, you know, when you say, what are we saying? I think the first thing we, I just personally want to emphasize is, is you've got to have, you've got to be redeemed. Um, we are remade in the image of Christ. We are being conformed to his image. That is the only true image of a father is, is the image of, you know, the true man. Um, and so, um, I guess I just want to foot stomp that before we go too much further, because, you know, it, it's easy. This, like, I, I just imagine somebody who's unchurched and they come into this, there's just a million things online. Like, what does it mean? Well, it means, you know, getting this filter on your internet or doing this, and those are all good things, but don't miss the main thing. Um, and, uh, and so anyways, that would be what I would want to add right now. Yeah. And I, mm -hmm. I just want to be clear. I couldn't agree more, right? <clears throat> this is, this is about Jesus. And when you make it about you, you miss the point, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus is the root of the tree, not me, mm -hmm. right? We're not, we're not building Christendom by building the Reynolds household. Mm -hmm. We're building into Christ's kingdom 
because he is so much better and so much greater than us. And so, yeah, thank, yeah. thank you for, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. So well, Nate, we I, have that, that, we have that tension, obviously in our faith too, <laughs> that there are commandments that we are required to obey. And when we don't obey, there are consequences and those, the, the, the reality of, of being the covenant head of our household is that our sin can, uh, can, can harm our, our future generations. It can harm our children. And, you know, and the, the word that, that Garrett mentioned in that hypocrisy, you know, our kids, your kids see your flaws. <laughs> they know you're flawed. And so the only the, the way to drive them from the gospel, to drive them from the faith is to pretend like it is about what you do and it is about how good you are. And that when they know you're not good, they know you screw up. Um, and to the way you make it about Jesus is what <laughs> every man here has already said is that concept of repenting and confessing your sins to your children. And, you know, I, I have disciplined my son for anger, angrily, and <laughs> to be able to stop in the middle of it and say, son, um, I first and foremost have to repent to you right now for my anger and the way that I spoke to you before this. I am sorry. You still have to bear the consequences for your sin dad has to confess his and God is, is, is going to work out, uh, his, his will through dad. And we can, we both are being remade right now into the image of Christ in the ways that God has ordained this to happen in this hierarchy, in this authority structure and, and, and being able to, you know, uh, my wife has, um, you know, when, when your wife or when people in your life are, are calling out your sin, they're calling out a perversion of your true identity. They're taking some, they're calling out something about you that sin has corrupted. And you don't need to hold on to the sin. You don't need to hold on to that thing that is, is corrupting your personhood and the way that you glorify Christ. You need to forsake it. And that is the most masculine and fatherly thing that you can do is to, is to model uh, forsaking sin quickly when you are confronted with it and when there is rebuke and Proverbs is filled with that. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and he who hardens his neck or stiffens his neck when he is rebuked and that, that, that if we're not modeling that humble posture for our, our children, uh, then they are going to emulate us. They are going to catch that pride and that, that ability to stiffen our neck and they're going to, they're going to, it's going to trickle down. And it's going to reap, uh, they're going to not have the blessing that obedience brings. Amen. Yeah. I think the thing that I would add just to kind of piggyback on, on everything that's been said that I agree with is, you know, something that I've said to my kids over the years <clears throat> is just borrowing directly from Paul is, 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 you know, I want you to follow me as I seek to follow Christ and know that I'm going to do that imperfectly at times. And so you can take all those, those various aspects and elements, uh, 
you know, as, as far as transparency and, you know, openness and honesty and, and admitting your faults and your failures and all of those things, all, all good things, but ultimately bringing, bringing it back to Garrett's point is it's falling underneath the umbrella of Christ that, that that's, that's, that's what's, that's the standard. And so, you know, I, I've had to, just as Nate was saying, I've had to apologize to my kids uh, and ask for their forgiveness in, in ways that I've, you know, it's been a while because the age that they are now, but, you know, in disciplining them in a way um, that was harsh and unnecessary. And then still ultimately um, not making that about me, making it about, um, you know, making it about Christ and, and my attempt uh, to follow him and to do things uh, according to the, the standard that's been set forth in scripture. And so I, I would just essentially say, I agree with all of those things. And, and that ultimately it, it the, the point, the the focal point is Christ. And so, uh, yes, be open, be transparent, admit your faults, but but do those things uh, just to, to point back uh, to Christ um, and in your attempts as a husband and as a father. I do. I've done it with my wife as well. It's just, um, you know, to accept faults and repent of those and um, put the focus back on Christ. Real quick, just want to thank everyone for watching. We've had about 30 people watching the entire stream, which is great. Don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe and also put your comments in the chat because we're going to do a, a Q and a a little bit later. So, um, okay. So, so questions about all of this, how this, how this plays out, um, in real time, I've got a couple of them. So, so the notion of, um, the notion of repentance. Now the image that I think a lot of people have in, in culture, which they're wrong about is that the, the Christian father is domineering and strict and and hard and and there's no give to him and what i hear you all describing is very much not that and i can imagine that there might be some men that want to live mm -hmm. that out but they're they're afraid to they're afraid to do so because they're afraid that what they might get on the other side is something other than forgiveness it's one thing to repent yet yes of course we're called to do that but a lot of men have found themselves in the past or perhaps even in the present or are worried in the future about finding their way into situations where um, where especially their wife might not necessarily be so inclined to forgive. Um, and so, you know, is there a leading pro like that would be something that I would be worried about, not hugely, but like, I certainly have that in my past as well, where bitterness has become used as a tool or in fact, a weapon in many cases. So maybe, uh, you can talk some of the men, uh, listening, men and women listening through, you know, some of the aspects that are involved with the entire repentance and forgiveness process because it's one thing to say we as men are going to take the hard step forward of saying i'm sorry i was wrong praise god hallelujah and there's something that needs to happen on the other side of that to complete the cycle which our culture does not tell women doesn't teach them how to do so much is my observation so maybe if, if one of you guys want to jump off that like what does the other side of that process look like and what does the reconciliation look like either from your wife or, or potentially even from your kids when you have to repent to them are you, is your, can I rephrase your question? Yes. Is it, is your, is your main question, um, what do you do about the fear of them not forgiving you when you, when you, is that it? Yeah. And then, and then as a, as a part of that, like, is there, are there moments where you have to lead, like you've apologized to your wife or to your, your kid, either one, and you actually have to lead them through the process of forgiving. Does that come about too? Because that may need to be a thing also. I think, I think, uh, I mean, maybe in some case, but my, my, uh, my, 
my personal opinion is that in general, no, you probably shouldn't do that. And, and it's partly because, um, I mean, I'm not, that's not a, a blanket statement, right? Like, but, and, and here's why, right? Like it goes back to, um, what you brought up, which by the way, I didn't say that I heard that probably, I think from my dad actually, who heard it from someone else, right? It's Christian taught, not taught, right? Yeah. Right. What are you doing when you go to your wife and you say, I was, I, I, I apologize to my wife this morning for something I did last night. Right. Um, I apologize to my wife on the way to church because I got impatient, right? What am I doing when I do that? I'm teaching, right? It's a golden moment for the best kind of teaching and modeling and leadership there is, right? Um, and and repent for your sins, not for someone else's. Um, so just repent, do the right thing. Um, and there's a proverb that says, I think it says, um, by, by, by truth and loving kindness, iniquity is atoned for. Um, and so basically what do you do when you have 10 plus 20 plus years in a marriage or, or whatever relationship you're in and you're, you're not a faithful man, you're not truthful. Nobody trusts you. Nobody likes you. You're just a beast, right? Well, start with yourself, model what it looks like to forget or to you know, well, first off, acknowledge that you have a problem, right? Um, also, and it's not just a therapeutic trick, right? It's you're, you're truly um, bringing redemption in the spiritual space, right? Um, they see that. And now that you're being honest, truth, and, and if you start living as a Christian should, loving kindness, you're going to atone for your iniquity, not in the ultimate legal sense of your justification, obviously, but in the sense of they're going to start to trust you, you're going to earn that trust back. So I don't think it's like a academic process where you're like, okay, I'm going to apologize to you. Let me explain to you how the the reconciliation process works, honey. Right. <laughs> I think you're going to get head, eyes rolling back in the eyes. And, and, and <laughs> so, uh, but I do think that if you do that for a long time, I've heard stories of guys six months, year later. Um, actually I just heard a guy recently, um, came to faith late in life. Um, and, and, you know, really dark place in their marriage and now they're a thriving christian couple they were they were about to get a divorce right um but it took time and so you know i would just say focus on um you know living out the gospel and in, in the in the sense of repenting asking for forgiveness um taking your taking your licks you know she might say something that's true right <laughs> and just say okay all right be be consistent, like Matt was saying. Be consistent with you know living out the fruits of the spirit. Um, so, anyways, I'll keep. I'll I can be verbose, so I'll stop there. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Anyone else? Well, and that includes the modeling the forgiveness on our side too, right? So when my kids are genuine about being repentant, or my wife, or or you know a guy, I disciple at church then then you model what christian forgiveness actually looks like you know we we walk through what church discipline looks like which most churches don't even practice but yeah. what's what's the purpose of church discipline it's it's reconciliation it's 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 to bring this person back into relationship with jesus christ and so and so I don't hold a grudge with my wife. I don't hold a grudge with my kids. I don't hold a grudge with, with really with anybody. Like it's, it's my, it's my job to 
actually forgive regardless, but certainly for those who are under my authority, when they come to me and they are they are authentically repentant for their sins, and and that doesn't mean that it doesn't they don't escape the consequence or they don't escape the discipline or their you know those things occur, but when that occurs, it's over, and and we don't bring it up again two weeks later and hold it against them and you know lo- love keeps no record of wrongs right it's it's that sort of thing so not only can we model what correct repentance looks like we can model what correct forgiveness looks like and i think that's what we have to do as as the leaders in our household as leaders of our wives as leaders of our children as leaders in our church community and leaders of our the guys we disciple like that that's incredibly important and 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 it does and and here's and then we have to recognize that we're not perfect and not only are we not perfect they aren't either and and most of us don't get it the first time and most of them aren't going to get it the first time right and so you expect <laughs> that wait wait i just taught you the lesson you you didn't get it like no it takes it takes a few times and then god is frequent to remind me like how many times did it take you to learn this lesson you didn't get it the first time either and so we have to model that well on both sides of the spectrum. It's also easy to repent and confess and kind of have this end state uh, that you want to achieve. Like, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm sorry, and I expect sex within a half hour now (laughs) because I've been this humble man. And so I expect you to now reciprocate woman because obviously i've done the man thing and and that is ultimately there is this verdict that is pronounced by god because of christ's righteousness and the forgiveness you have from the creator because of jesus you your wife is not the one holding uh the final verdict whether she accepts your forgiveness whether she is saying the magic words that you need to hear, um, ultimately you ha- as as the man leading your household have to have that relationship between you and God, and and it can't be something that is thrown out of whack because you're not getting certain things from relationships in in this society. I think I don't I, if if I'm making that clear, God, there there is a verdict that is is final about you when you have when you're a christian and so and i think that uh if you've been a jerk and you haven't been modeling forgiveness and you haven't been leading your family and you start taking responsibility and you start apologizing and you start forgiving and you're not getting that you're not doing that to get something back you're doing it because it's the right thing to do before god because you're taking responsibility and it it may take quite a while there might be a lot of scar tissue there might be a lot of bitterness there might be things that uh you want to say that you shouldn't um because you've sown and now you're reaping uh years of unfaithfulness or whatever and so um and that but that is also why this faith that we are living out is is not just our family but it is the church because you need those brothers and you need older women speaking into your wife wife's life 
you need the right inputs, you need the relationships outside of just your nuclear family unit that are able to speak these truths and are able to um, weigh in and say the things to your wife or to say the things to you um, that will help um, in, in the time of need as well. I'd, li I'd like to add to his, to Nate's point, you don't do, I mean, following Jesus, Jesus said, pick up your instrument of, you know, extremely painful execution and follow me. Um, and when it comes to personal relationships, he said, uh, this is in Matthew 10, he says, he who loves father or mother than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And so um, he didn't say wife, but it's implied that you're from your father to your progeny. If you love them more than God, you're not worthy of Christ. And so this goes back to you have to be a, a true Christian. You have to have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. And if you don't, you will you won't love God more than those precious things. And so but as a Christian, you go to your wife, if, just in this scenario, um, you might be terrified that this is going to go really, really bad. But you do it because you love Christ and he's commanded you to do it. And um, and you you hope and trust in a good God, whether it goes poorly or 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 really great. Um, you don't do it for sex, like Nate said. So, <laughs> Yeah. And and I would say that, you know, from my own experience, and this just really fits well with with what both uh, Nate and, and Garrett just said, is that, you know, it, I've developed. A, a culture, I guess, within my household that my family knows that I'm seeking to follow, I lead them as I follow Christ and, and they're to follow me. And so, so then when I do screw up and I do come to them and I, and I apologize and I repent and I, I seek their forgiveness, they know that because of the culture that we've, we've set in the household, that it's not a box that we're checking, that, that I've done the right thing. And now you need to respond with doing the right thing. It's a matter of, um, they know that that I'm being sincere, I'm being genuine, and that when I say I've screwed up, it's not just so that I I can get you know response X Y or Z. It's because I'm I mean it. It's because I, I care for them, I love them, I, I'm recognizing that I've wronged them, and so it isn't to do the thing in order to to get back you know so I can check the box that okay she forgave me because I, I screwed up in this way. It's that because I'm I'm for her and she knows I'm for her, my wife or for my children. I'm 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 for them. And so this thing that I'm doing is genuine, it's heartfelt, it's because I love them, it's because I love Christ, and I'm trying to lead them as I follow Christ. Um, now that doesn't mean that it won't happen to where you know a, a wife or a child does respond with with bitterness or animosity. And man, you just continue to do the thing. You just continue to point to Christ. You, you, you know, you, you enter into those hard conversations and, and you lead well with, with love and, and with, um, with compassion and with truth. Um, but, but ultimately, you know, I, I can say hard things to my wife, um, areas where she's messed up or, and, and she knows that she can reciprocate that to me when I do that. And it's because we know, and, and same, same with my kids, it's because we know that we are, we, we deeply love one another. We are in each other's corner um, and we are all seeking to, to look to Christ, you know, and I'm, I'm the one that's responsible for, you know, for pointing us back to, to that. 
and, and making sure that we don't miss that. And so, you know, I guess all that to say is, is that, man, it's just, it's, it's about, at least in my experience, it's been about creating a culture within the home that knows that you are, you are deeply loved uh, and, and, you know, certainly by me as your husband, as your father, but, but more so by Christ. And I'm, you know, I'm, I screwed up and, and, and I'm genuinely sorry. And they know that it's, it's sincere, that it's, that it's the truth, um, that it's not, it's not just some box to check so that I can get my kids to do what I want. Or I, you know, as Nate said, I can get my wife to have sex with me. Yeah. Just, uh, this is, uh, just real quick, um, to put it in a narrative way of telling the truth. Um, you know, the story of Abraham and Isaac, right. And for those who aren't, um, uh, don't know the story in the Bible, Abraham, um, the father of faith had his, um, had his only son, the son of promise. And God comes to him and tells him, I want you to sacrifice your son. And Abraham obeys. He, he puts the wood on his son's back. He has the knife in his hand and they start a long hike up a mountain. And right as he's raising, um, the knife to kill his son, um, an angel, uh, says, stop by no means harm the child. And, and God provides the sacrifice. And so, you know, honestly, that's just, I don't understand that story. I, I can't imagine um, what I would think about being in Abraham's shoes, but God wrote it down for us and it's true. And, um, you know, you have to follow God no matter how bleak or scary it looks. Because, But you are wise to do so because he is a good God. And he, he delivered Abraham and made him the foundation of the world's hope. So um, even in the bleakest moments where you think this is, there's, I'm going to die. There's nothing going to happen here. Uh, that's good. Um, trust in God. He has proved himself over and over again to be the kind of God that um, makes good things out of terrible situations. I, just want to respond I really to some... like what ahead, Brandon man. said too, is that there's that culture in your home <laughs> of repentance and there is a culture of humility and that culture being firmly established in your household, you do have the ability to speak uh, corrective words to your wife to call out her sin and to rebuke that and, and in the right context and uh, graciously. But that is not something that you do after years of being a jerk. And you don't get that ability to instruct your wife in humility when you have been certified in humility for about five minutes. Uh, it's not not flipping a, flipping the table around. And that's one of the reasons why you are humble and you repent is because that gives you the authority because you are not holding on to sin, because you are standing on the foundation that is Christ to instruct your children, to instruct them sternly to instruct your wife and to lead your family boldly. And, and you're not doing it based on your ability to execute everything to the letter of the law. You're doing it because it's God's standard and we're all called to do it. Just like you can call your, your kids to sexual purity all the way up until marriage, whether or not that's something that's a reality. I, I'm thankful that's something that exists for me and that my wife and I were brought up in that standard, but you don't apologize for God's standard. You don't give leniency in your household to it because you didn't 
yourself do perfectly. Um, if that makes sense as well. Mm -hmm. I just want to read some of the comments from Michael Foster, who's been watching. He says, uh, the corrective phase is longer than most men are willing or able to bear, but it's worth it. Can lift heavy weights, but can't bear that heavy conviction. And I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to jump off of that because I mean, that's, that's the thing. Welcome back, Matt. Um, that, that's a, that's definitely a thing. And, and, and I think, um, that's one of the, Michael was on my podcast last week, had an awesome conversation. We talked a little bit about sort of the masculinity space and my experience, a lot of men in that world is they can do exactly that, that they can lift the heavy weights, but they can't lift the heavy conviction and they, and they refuse to. And, um, and that was something that was very difficult, you know, to, to sort of witness of men that I admired that had no solid foundation to actually repent for their sins or acknowledge their sins to begin with. And so I think that's one of the great promises of the gospel, the promise of the faith, the promise of redemption is that uh, the forgiveness of sins and, and the being able to bear the weight of conviction and, and confess and to be forgiven creates a strength that is so completely different from the strength of lifting weights, not to take away from the strength required to lift weights. We've got a power lifter here and, you know, it's a, I'm sure, but, but Matt, actually, maybe now that you're back, Matt, you can talk about, you know, the difference of, of lifting. I can speak about it certainly from my own life, but like, well, there's a very different kind of strength that's involved there. Well, what's, what's harder, right? And we, mm -hmm. we talk a lot about voluntary hardship and mm -hmm. that's kind of part of, part of what we do in, in our comp in our company, but nobody's going to make a, make you put a heavy barbell on your back and squat. And that, that is physically hard, but a conversation, especially if you're a pastor about, uh, having that hard, awkward conversation about church discipline or to, to truly be like, again, we, we throw these words around about, you know, being vulnerable and transparent. And it's almost like our generation has has become transparent, but not really vulnerable, like truly vulnerable conversations where you really have to own up to sin to people that you actually care about. I've been in the public realm enough that there's these there's all these people out there that I don't really know that honestly, guys, I just I don't really care that much if I'm being honest about what their opinions are of me, but for the people that I truly love and care about for the people in my community, in my, in my church at Coram Deo, the people who I truly love and respect, I genuinely want love and respect back from them. And so when I've really made a mistake, when I've really come to a place that I have to have a hard conversation with them, whether that is a hard conversation as a church leader with them about a sin, that's in their life or even a harder one, which is a sin that's in my life. That is so much harder than the strength of putting a barbell on my back and squatting. Yes. Do I think that that's generally good voluntary hardship for everyone? Lost people, saved people, all people. Yes. Everybody should squat and deadlift. I think that's great. Asters. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Amen. Here we go. Right. Let's go. Let's, are we, are we going, are that's we all going, I'm going to say. Don't are worry. Going, are we going fat pastor route? <laughs> But that, you know, but like, so again, so I think there are times when we will let, let, let's use, let's use a dumber one, which I, which I really love. Actually, Brandon knows we had a night, uh, last weekend where 
I have a, a sauna and a cold plunge and a hot tub. At, at, I, I like I love the cold plunge. And then everybody talks about, well, cold plunges are voluntary hardship. How much harder is a cold plunge than to sit down in front of your pastor or the men in your in your Bible study or your discipleship group and go like, hey, I got a problem with pornography. That's a way harder conversation. That's strength, right? And so, yeah. yes, do I think that a step in the direction of any voluntary hardship is a step in the right direction? Of course. But I think we often will brag about the thing that isn't really that hard. I get up at four in the morning. For those of you guys that know me, it's 8-12. It is one hour and 12 minutes past my bedtime right now. And, and so, uh, mm. so that's voluntary hardship. But that is not hard compared to sitting down with my wife or my kids or my pastor or the people in my church and admitting to a a sin. Hey, I self-medicated with alcohol this week. That's a hard conversation. That's the thing that builds strength. And so I think we'll often like lean into the thing that feels like it's strength and feels like it's transparent, but isn't really vulnerable, right? And so that's the difference, right? Of course, it's important to be physically strong. And you know, I've built a career on it. But I I think we struggle with really getting into that place. Brandon knows when we first planted Quorum Deo, I was like, hey, I want to sit down and have a conversation. And I want us all to tell each other our stories. Because I got it broke. I got guys, I got a broken story. I was unfaithful to my wife. There's there was all sorts of fallout. I about lost my marriage. It was awful. And if I'm going to be a leader in this church at some point, I need everyone in this church to understand where my background is. That is a conversation to this day. And that was almost 15 years ago. I'll have diarrhea for eight hours after having that conversation because it tears my stomach up so bad to have that conversation. And yet I can still go and put heavy weight on a on a barbell and a squat rack and squat and it's hard but it's not anywhere near the level of strength that's required to have those conversations so i so i think we fake it a lot and we fake transparency and we fake vulnerability which isn't really vulnerable to do the things that we say are hard to make us feel masculine to actually avoid the thing that we really need to confront yeah uh, i guess i would say too is that that may be the time when that your story starts to come out in your church, maybe without you confessing it or whatever, is about the time where men start to church shop and go and look for another spot. Sure. Because you can't, we're, we're really good at men to kind of bring the thing that we're really good at front and center on our social media and to the people that we talk to. Mm -hmm. But then when we're in relationship, with people and they see how we actually treat our wives or we actually treat our kids. And then they start to say something about it and they start to see those par parts of our lives that we carefully orchestrate and keep out of the eye, but then we can't help it because sin manifests itself and, and, and is bound out. And you say, Oh, well, I, I got this doctrinal issue that I got with this church and I'm going to go find another spot where I can be a just a, a little bit more anonymous yep. to what's going on in my family and not get convicted and and harbor these sins um, hypothetically. <laughs> yeah, Nate, I remember that uh, you you introduced me to um, to Forrest 
Forrest Cooper and he came on my podcast and that was back in like September or October. And, and we talked about, I think the definition of, of virtue or masculinity, something like that. And the conclusion that we came to is that you know, what it means to be a good man is to be a man who's able to go past himself, like to go beyond himself, to transcend his own self-imposed limitations. And there are moments in a man's life where that self-imposed limitation is confessing something that you did wrong. It happens pretty often, actually. And the ability to get past your own pride, to get past your own fear, you know, is absolutely essential. And men are really good at talking about doing hard things like out there in the world, lifting, skydiving, you know, whatever, like whatever the whatever hustle culture is, is choosing to celebrate today, ultra marathons, name it, right? But like, one of the things that one of the hard things that men have to do is, is confess and say, I'm sorry. One of the hard things that men have to do, one of the very hard things men have to do is to be told the truth about themselves. It's just to look in the mirror of the people around them. And that's one of the hardest things to do. But it, it, it's one of the things that even the so-called quote unquote strongest men avoid. And I, and, and myself, like I've had to do that a number of times and it's only made me, it's only made me stronger. And, and I think that's the great promise, again, of, of the faith that men who are outside the faith they don't have it. They don't have the promise of redemption. They yep. fear saying, I'm sorry, because they don't know what they're going to get on the, other, on the other end, not to mention the other end of, the, of their lives, versus like, I forgive you. That as, long as, that as long as it may take to receive, as you, if you stick with the, pro with the process, forgiveness is promised. But men outside the faith, they don't have that, so they can't forgive. So they can't apologize. I mean, yeah, I remember when Brandon sat me down, we started talking through the eldership process and Brandon said, as, as we start to walk through this, I'm, we're going to walk through all of the qualifications for elder. And, and I, I want you to know, and I, I want you to be prepared. I'm going to literally tell you every concern that I have and every concern that I've heard in our church that people potentially have for your for your qualifications or questions about that you're at i want that do i want to do i really want to hear it no right yeah. is isn't my net is is your natural you know like we're naturally defensive to those things but when we look back at those things when those things are called out first off like guys we know what those things are right like it's very rare that it's a surprise. It it just forces you to confront the things that are potential sins, that are potential red flags, that are potential downfalls that are that are in your life. And so these are conversations that we have to have. So if Brandon loves me as my pastor, then he will address those issues with me. And if I love Jesus and I love this church and I le legitimately don't want to be an elder that is that is disqualified or that is potentially put myself in a position to be disqualified, I need to be able to hear those things. And I need I need to be able to hear them, see them, repent of them, like, you know, meditate on those things. And like, these are important things to hear. But man, that is way harder than lifting heavy weights or doing a cold plunge or running the marathon. And so I think we'll, we'll lean on those hard physical attributes in order to avoid the really hard conversations that we need to have. But ultimately, every awkward, horrible conversation I've ever had in my life has made me better. 
and makes the next horrible, awkward conversation a little less horrible and a little less awkward. Mm. And so I have to have those conversations as a CEO of the company. I have to have those conversations all the time. Now, I get to have them about other people more often. <laughs> it's, it's, it's honestly, it's the hardest ones I have are the ones with my pastor, the ones with my wife, or the ones with my kids. But yeah. those are the things that actually make me better. And so if we don't want that, I think we really have to question like, well, what do we really want? Mm-hmm. Like, I want my sin to be called out. I want, I want these things because I want to be sanctified in this. Like, I want to be more like Jesus. And that's like, that's what this is about. And so that's, that's, we, we have to desire those things. One of the things I'm really grateful for is I actually have a lot of women who listen to the podcast and, and I hope that for the women listening, that there's a picture being painted here of, um, of what fatherhood is meant to be, what it can be, what, what we all wanted to be and what many of the men, what you men are living and, uh, to sort of push back on some of the ideas in the culture that fatherhood is this distant and removed and cold and hard, you know, aggressive thing when it's actually, um, something that's quite a bit, quite a bit warmer and more and more real and more human, human scale. Um, so I actually want to go to one of the questions from the stream and kind of change gears. Um, but appropriately, um, Nathan Tipper asks, how do you, how do you all balance being warm and fun with your kids while maintaining gravitas? And so he, we're talking about, you know, how to change gears as a man from I'm apologizing, I'm confessing, I'm repenting. And then you have to go right into, but I'm still the authority in the home. And this has done nothing to remove my authority. Perhaps it's bolstered it, bolstered it in some ways, but how do you, how do you make that gear shift or how do you balance these, these things that would seem to be in, in competition with each other or do you? Well, I, I mean, we, um, we have this kind of saying that we'd say, and when we're, we're doing close quarters battle in the military. So you're coming in and clearing a house that you have to have this ability to shift gears. And I, I, and that is, you know, you come in and you have women and children in the room and you have to be able to deal with them appropriately, whether it's, you have to be able to sort the threats and, and and deal with kind of everything going on in the room. And I feel like, um, as dynamic of situations that I was in, in the military, that, um, it doesn't really compare to having to be that shifting those gears between your, the different children that you have and knowing each one of their strengths and weaknesses and the way that you communicate love efficiently to them and the way that um, you have to be kind of a different version of yourself to every child in a different way. You have to meet them where they are. You have to uh, communicate love in the ways that they receive it. Um, and so it, it, it's, it's, it's a complex thing to do, especially when you're trying to pay the bills, and especially when you're trying to get off to the office or you're trying to you know, deal with all the different things. But that that is a glorious thing to be a man. It, you can whine about it and you can say, oh, this is hard. And I got all these things going on and you can, but you have to be able to, you know, I, I, I sat down with Dr. Merkel about it and he would talk about just taking that time before you get back to the house to completely like flush what went on during the day, pray and, and make sure you're ready to get jumped on by your 11 year old and have your seven year old around your foot and all these things that them just coming at you with the way that they love when you've had a long day and you're tired 
um, your wife is, is ready to tag out and say, Hey, all the kids are yours now. Um, that's why we stay in shape. That's why we have good nutrition so that we can work 15, 16 hours a day because you got several more hours of work to do when you get home. Um, and so I think that that's just even just a mental and spiritual preparation coming back to the house to, this is not when I sit down in the chair and get waited on the rest of the day. This is when I, when I do another part and the more, uh, eternally important part of my job, which is being a joyful father and engaging with them. And I'm, I'm not doing, saying this, uh, to, to lecture everyone else. It's, it's reinforcing that to myself to come back. Um, you know, one of the things that I've, we've also tried to do is we, we, we do eight second hugs, you know, every day, every kid. Um, and, and one of those things that the reality that even specifically with girls, that they're the things that you're experiencing aren't necessarily that you need to deal with a negative, but you aren't giving enough positive. You aren't, uh, showing that warm affection. You aren't giving them hugs. You aren't complimenting them. You aren't filling them up with the right, uh, love and affection. And they're actually acting out and having difficulty because you're not loving them. Well, you're not, uh, communicating well and leading them, um, in your household. And so that's one of those things that it is specifically with my daughters. I think it can be be uh, easier because you just smack boys around and that's just their love language. If you put them in a chokehold, they're just like <laughs> thrilled and they just, they're, they're lighting up, but having to take that time and in the morning and my daughter comes in and good to see you and eight second hug. And they, they just know, uh, you know, in the morning and, and they say hi. And so just kind of, I think that maybe is an easy way to kind of just say, I'm going to, uh, you know, physically show, love to each one of my kids every single day. I'm going to give them a hug. I'm going to communicate verbally that I love them. I'm proud of them. And I'm going to do it every day. And I'm going to do it. And when I put them to bed, I'm going to do it when they wake up. Um, and, and that's specifically, I like entrepreneurship and running my own business because I get to order my day around the rhythms of my family, I get to be there for those times and make sure that I'm putting those deposits into the the bank with my children every single day. Guys, how do you maintain, how do you shift gears from, you know, from one version of a father to the other in ways that might seem contradictory to each other? I think for me, it's just always been as cliche as it sounds, it's just really being present and knowing, you know, being, being aware of, what every member of your family needs. And so um, I don't know that it's, I don't, I don't know that it shouldn't be a conscious thing. It probably should be, but it, it doesn't feel like it really ever, ever was uh, any more than, than just that is just knowing that, that I, I need to be present. I mean, I, I agree with everything that they said, like, you don't, you don't get to just clock out and, and, you know, sit down in, in the recliner um, and, and not be present and not be a father and a husband. Um, and so, yeah, you know, whether it's, it's just being present and being aware of, of what the needs are in, uh, in your house. And so if that's helping with homework or if that's, you know, if that's doling out discipline, or if it's just cuddling with, you know, one or two of the kids, um, you know, and then even still, you're, you're still not done, you know, then, once the kids are off to bed, then, you know, your, your wife 
um, she she gets you she you know she she wants um, a part of you as well and so um, you know just to have adult human interaction probably if nothing else um, to feel valued by you and so um, yeah and so I, I think really not to oversimplify it but it's it's just really a matter of, of just being present and being aware of what's going on in your house not not checking out and and just knowing what your wife and your kids need from you as a husband as a father as the leader of the household uh, and then stepping up to the plate and delivering i think we have to walk into this knowing that we for those of us who are providing for our family well uh we have to be ready to work second shift after we provide and and i think that's really what nate and Brandon are saying, and, and it's different at different ages for your kids. It's different at, uh, for different sex of your kids. I have two daughters. And so the way I, I love them well is different than I would love a son probably, uh, but I don't have a son. And so, um, but I know that we are, men tend to be wired to either overwork or be lazy. Uh, for those of us who most of uh, my guess is that most that are listening to this podcast, so maybe I'm, maybe it's an incorrect guess. Um, we tend to work, and and what we what we tend to do is fill our lives with urgency, and that urgent is rarely important, and and so it's an, it's imperative that we purge our lives of the things that are unimportant and unurgent. And that, and that I've spent as much time as I can trying to delegate out the things that are urgent but not important to work as efficiently as I can on the things that are urgent and important so that I have as much time as possible to focus on the things that are never urgent but are the most important. And that's the stuff like my spiritual disciplines and my relationship with my family and my health and my 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 exercise and like those are the thing like the things that are the most important are never urgent and what we'll do is we'll let the urgency crowd out the important and so it's our job as men to learn how to deal with the urgent and 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 th this is why we have to purge our lives of binge watching netflix and video games and pornography and and obviously things like pornography very immoral not all of those things are some of those things are amoral things right like my wife and i typically are watching a tv show you know we watch one episode of a tv show three nights a week like there's and and we enjoy that time together but <clears throat> but a lot of times those things become the thing that replaces the important and when we really recognize it, like if I spend all my time doing the urgent things, answering the emails, answering the phone calls, constantly dealing with the staff and the business, and I don't know how to delegate and I don't, and I'm micromanaging and I'm doing, I don't ever get to, to devote time to the important things, which is building the relationship with my kids and my wife and my savior and my community, my church community. And so my the goal of my life from a schedule standpoint is to is to reduce the urgency down as much as possible 
to focus on the stuff that is the most important and is almost never urgent. And I, and I think that's, that's where we make a mistake, right? And we're like, Hey, I'm just kids. I'm just too busy. It's seven 30 at night. I'm still doing work. I'm still doing this urgent thing. And so I can't spend time like who's on their deathbed wishing that they had spent more time doing the urgent stuff and not the important stuff. I want to enjoy the important and I want to eliminate or delegate or efficiency as much as I can, the urgency, so I can spend all that time enjoying the stuff that really matters. Some that's some awesome wisdom right there. Yep. We're at we're at um sorry, oh, go ahead. Out of time. No, no. I mean, I, I was just gonna say, like, I know that you guys actually have to go be husbands and fathers. So if any of you guys have to this is going great. So if any of you guys want to want to drop off, say a few words, no, you know. Absolutely no need to stick around. I got a couple more questions for anyone who does want to stick around, but you know, we've, you guys have, uh, have more than ably per, per, performed your, your duties and your service. So if anyone has to go to bed or has to go take care of their wife and kids, by all means, feel free. Definitely or go to bed some of us, yeah, some of us can stick around and kick, kick around a couple more questions, but go ahead, Garrett. I was just going to pile on to what, uh, Nate kind of said, um, it, First off, recognize who we are as men. We are typically one track minded um, and that's just not good enough. Um, if you look at Jesus and how um, he was just not a simple guy, um, he was the kind of guy that would um, be able to totally smoke the top uh, highly educated religious elites of his day. Um, and yet he could also um, walk into the center point of the religious world at his time, um, premeditated fashion a weapon, and then go and beat other men till they ran out um, of the temple. And he's also the kind of guy that would sit down and he would have infants brought to him, and then he would scold the leaders of the the new the burgeoning church, saying, "Let the little children come to me." Right? Um, apparently, they wanted to come to him, so he wasn't like this scary guy in that context, right? So. Um, you know, so you just can't be a dummy, right? You can't be a meathead. Um, you have to be able to pivot. You have to be able to shift gears. You need to be strong at your occupation, potentially. Maybe you have a hard job. Maybe you have to, you know, exercise those broad shoulders a lot and the job, both metaphorically and maybe uh, literally. But then you have to be able to come home, do a, um, a reset. You have to shift gears. You need to be gentle, tender. You need to bear the burdens, um, you know, Love Doug Wilson. He says, you know, you need to be hard for your family, not hard on your family. Right. So you're the wall. You make you create peace inside the walls of the house so that they don't have to, um, you know, have a harder time than they should. Right. You absorb that. Right. And you certainly don't want to bring it into the walls. So I just, you know, to simplify it, I would just say you ask yourself, are you are you one track? And if you are, stop it. Um, get better at shifting gears and being multifaceted like Jesus. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I do want to uh, spend a few minutes. We've talked about big picture stuff. We've talked about um, life orientation stuff, repentance, forgiveness, you know, time management. I also, I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about techniques, especially because one of the inspirations behind doing this panel in the first place was Garrett, that you taught me some very important techniques when we met at the Trad Dad conference. And I'm, I'm pleased to say I've been using them and they've been absolutely life-changing for me, in fact, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I just finished reading the New Testament today, the entire way through two chapters at a time, using the technique that you taught me. So 
when it comes to spiritual disciplines for your families, for yourselves, like what are some of the techniques that you guys use and that you guys favor or that have you found um, most effective? So Garrett, we'll start, we'll start with you with some of the things that you taught me, because again, going all the way back to whenever that was April, May, like that's yeah. a big reason why we're here today. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, in the air force, we had something called effects based targeting, right? So, um, you know, the, the, the normal, the normal life, uh, application that would be principles, not techniques or principles, not methods. Right. So I know you just asked for techniques. I'll get there, but I just, I, I want to teach men to fish and not give them a fish. Right. So right. The, the thing is that is important. You should be doing just some, I mean, there's tons you could talk about, but you, you need to read the word every day of your life till you die. Um, heart, you know, full stop. You need to be leading your family in worship. If you have a family, uh, you need to be leading your wife. Um, you need to be going to church. Um, we could go on, but let's just, if we're going to stay in the spiritual um, space, then those, right? So um, don't get distracted with the techniques. Make sure you understand why we're doing the techniques and make sure you're getting what you really need and not just doing whatever Garrett says, right? Um, so with that disclaimer, <laughs> um, you know, there's a whole bunch out there in, in terms of, um, are you referring mainly, Will, to just reading the Bible? Reading your... the Bible and yeah, fifty one twenty two and ACTS were the two things that you taught me that. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to this oh, day. Yeah. yeah, I mean, none of those are in the Bible, right? They're not inspired. Right. The point is, hey, you know, I was discipled by a, a elder in the PCA church when I was in undergrad. Um, and you know, you're growing as a young man, and you want to know how to grow with the Lord. It, it really helps to have pegs to hang your hat on. Like, okay, give me something to do. Give me a checklist, right? And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that if it's done right. Um, so. Uh, you know, 2251 is, uh, it's like leg day, right? It's don't skip leg day. It's, it's a heavy reading plan. Um, two, two, five, one, two, two chapters of the old Testament, two chapters of the new Testament, five Psalms and one proverb every day. That's, that's 10 chapters a day. And it takes some time. And especially if you are new to the faith, it's going to be really hard. I mean, I would really would highly recommend getting some I mean, this is why you need a local church, right? You cannot become a strong Christian through YouTube and Instagram and reading books. You need a, a pastor to show you how to do this. I had one show me how to do it. Um, but, you know, it's hard because if you don't know the Bible well, it, it's just hard to take that much. But just do it. I had another pastor tell me when I asked him when I was 18, I said, how long, how do you find out, how do you get the right answers out of the Bible when you have a problem in life? And he's like, 10 years. <laughs> what's 10 years it's like you need to read the bible for 10 years and when you read it for 10 years then you'll start to have a familiarity with it where you can um you know you just kind of know where to go right the lord speaks through his word um but anyways to get to the point so what that does for you that gets you through the old testament once a year the new testament three times a year and psalms and proverbs once a month and so it's just about repetitions, getting reps in, getting familiarity. Um, and that's really good on quantity, um, but it's hard to grow in depth. And so that's why I don't miss the, the first point, which is, um, you know, the principle is to know God and know his word and not just do 2251. So there might be a time where you need to pivot from that and maybe do a little bit more in-depth study on something that God's, you know, maybe your church is doing or, or you need to do. Um, the other things you, so there's other, there's obviously there's to the word challenge. I think that, um, Christ church does. It's great. My family does that. Um, there's all kinds of things out there. The point is just read the word, um, find a technique that works for you and just start somewhere. 
Um, you mentioned Acts, A-C-T-S, so that's just a structure of prayer. So it's important to hear from God, but it's also God calls us to talk back to Him, which is what prayer is. And so Acts for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So it's just a way to make sure that you're checking all the boxes, all the categories of types of prayer. So first, we ought to be adoring God. Um, we ought to be confessing our sins. Um, we ought to be giving thanks for His answered prayers and the goodness He gives to us every day. And then supplication, which is a fancy word for just saying, you know, I need some things or this person needs some things. Can you please give them, God? Um, and just, you know, just get into a rhythm, pick a plan, start praying and do it every day. But again, get into a local church, get a pastor that can really walk like like we said a couple of times. Um, it's caught, not taught. And so um, when you're walking with another um, man, a pastor, um, that's the best way to learn this stuff. And so well, just like we did, Will, right? We sat down at breakfast and um, I just showed you what I did, right? So yeah. that would be my encouragement is go go, go find a good pastor and then uh, start there. I've, I've used those two techniques that you taught me. Those two, I've learned, I've used them, you know, every day since. I do, I do spiritual, I do, you know, Bible reading leg day every day. I can't imagine doing it another <laughs> way. I've gotten, I'm going to go through the entire Bible that way and then I'll Bible squats. Thank you. Bible squats. Yeah. I actually, uh, so if you want an even bigger challenge, um, I called the guy who, uh, and that, that taught me that in, in college. And, um, I was just kind of sharing him a little bit about this and, um, and just see what he was up to and if he had any like other techniques. And he's like, well, I'm doing the 90 day Bible. So you just read the whole thing in 90 days. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he, he does about 50 minutes of just straight reading. The problem for me is I have a hard time doing that. Like I get interested in stuff and like, yeah. I'll want to Google something or look at a commentary or reference another verse somewhere. I get, I get sidetracked. So it takes me like do that. I'd be like there for three hours. Rabbit trail. One, one particular technique I found too, is if, uh, you know, I, I have my gym right outside the bus door. And if you, I love getting open in the Canon app and doing the two to work to the word challenge. Cause it's, it's a playlist and, and then lifting while I'm doing it and thinking about all the people that push back on how, you know, it's not you strength is, you know, of some value in godliness yeah. of eternal values. So like you can actually, as a man be squatting while listening to the Bible. It's amazing technological like occurrence that's happening here, but you can have a home gym and you can have ear airpods and you can put the bible on and you can squat more when you're doing that it's like <laughs> this is crazy oh you know? so to that point and to to uh you know three cheers for fit pastors when i was 18 and i was about to go to the military my pastor was used to be a linebacker for alabama and uh, and i said hey will you physically train me to get ready he's like i'll do that but you have to memorize scripture and so and he made me memorize chapters <laughs> Oh my goodness. So we'd show up to the gym and he's like, all right, let me hear it. And then we'd squat and bench and do things like that. So um the the two can go together. I it's another way to not be just one track, you know. You can right. be, you you can be physical and spiritual. Right. I, Absolutely. I, I do that a lot. Uh by the way, it's it's my wife's birthday, so I'm gonna yeah. give a quick answer and then I'm gonna sign off. But really, really quick. I I, I love I get in the word every morning. First thing when I wake up, I wake up early. It's not a Jocko. If you've heard me tell this story before, I, I don't 
good set an alarm i i wake up when i wake up that just typically is like 3 30 in the morning i wish it wasn't 3 30 in the morning that's a little earlier than i want to wake up but i just do and the first thing i do is make a delicious cup of reformation coffee uh sold by sold Mm. by brandon and uh or or five or five cups of reformation coffee and i get i get into the word and then i do exactly what nate says i listen any time that I'm doing something that doesn't require heavy mental thought, I am listening to Canon Plus. I'm listening to yeah. the the Bible app. I'm listening to Christian podcasts. Um, and so I think there's a ton of tactics that individuals can use to just the more I put those things in my brain, uh, man, it, it has just been a tremendous benefit to me. But the, the real thing that has been a benefit to my family is just intentional dinners, guys. My, since, since my kids were young, we, we are classical-based education people. You know, we use that, that grammar stage when they're young. We, we teach them the catechisms and sing the songs, and they don't even know what they mean, but they learn the verses, and they learn the catechisms, and they learn the songs, and they get in their brain, and they're two years old, and they're three years old, and they're four years old. And we see we by the way, our church is full of two, three, four year old kids now. And and uh, and they're you know, they're they're singing the doxology and they're saying amen. And it's and it's, you know, people that listen to Brandon's sermons. They they're like, I love hearing the kids in the background. Like we use that at dinner and now and, and you know, and then you get into that that logic stage and they're asking questions and they're asking why. And now I'm in this incredible stage that that rhetoric stage where. We sit down and have really intentional dinners every night or most nights of the week, and we have a real conversation about a real thing that matters, and and we talk to our kids about these things. And so, and so, I just you know, dinner becomes again. It often becomes you know, fast food or DoorDash or everybody just sits in the living room and watches Netflix, and we actually sit in the dining room at the table. And actually have conversations about about the gospel, about and it, and honestly, it's not even always that. Sometimes it's culture, sometimes it's politics, sometimes it's but but they're all related, and so we use those. And so and then it's amazing that the eighteen year old remembers the songs that she learned when she was three, and the catechisms that she learned when she was three from that classical education model, and that's been the biggest difference in our life. And so now our kids who honestly when they were five and six years old maybe they didn't like it as much they love to have those conversations now as teenagers to talk about the things to ask the questions dad this thing happened you know today that that with this friend or they that I, you know i can remember several years ago my daughter asking about man my, one of my friends asked me about can 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 women be pastors and i was like well i don't know can they be pastors you know, so we let's ha- let's let's dive into that and so, you know, and, and so she brought up the question and we got to, we, right. They can't, they can't. To be clear, he does know. To be clear. <laughs> but it was great that she asked the question so that I was able to go into it. So um, I think there's a ton of great tactics that men can use to absorb as much scripture as possible. I, I think there's a million different ways, but I think it's really important to have I know the word intentional gets thrown around a ton and it's it's overused, but to have really intentional dinners together, you're sitting at a table with your family. We all turn our phones upside down, you know, on do not disturb. Nobody picks up a phone and we eat 
a meal together and we and we have family worship together and we don't do family worship as well there's things i we, i'm still a little uncomfortable like we don't really sing the psalms around the table i want to i want to nate i watch by the way i love nate i love your social media i love seeing the stuff you post with your kids and in your bus and stuff it's so cool but i but i will say that those intentional conversations with my kids and my wife have made the biggest difference and what i honestly believe they'll look back on 20 years later and that'll be the legacy that they'll be like man my dad spent 5000 conversations with us teaching us these things at dinner time and he took the time to do that so that's that's been the biggest difference for us so and with that said i'm going to go to see my wife because it's her birthday so thank you Great guys job, for man. so thanks for Fist having so this bump, this yeah, bump. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys. Appreciate Thanks, it. Matt. God bless. You guys too. Hey, um, just real quick. I know we're you kind of led it with um, the word in prayer, but I think um, it's you know the title of this is fathers, so that assumes a family. Um, and this is, I mean, the evangelical world that I grew up in, which was just kind of broader American evangelicalism, um, and then kind of in the Baptistic world the idea of family worship is, is just not present there. Um, and so just a quick uh, plug for a resource I thought was helpful. I'm sure there's lots of good ones. The one I found and used was um, family worship by Joel Beakey. And mm -hmm. it's just short book. You can read it in probably a couple hours at max. Um, and so, you know, just go get that, read it. I think I got it for free after listening to an Eric Kahn podcast. I think they had a link to interview Joel Beakey. So you can go check that out and their discussion on it. But, um, that you know there's a there's a proverb that says for lack of discipline um that he will die led astray by his own great folly um you know so discipline is a a wise thing to do building rhythms for word you know intaking god's word and then speaking back to him through prayer having that relationship but also modeling that and building that into the family's life through intentional worship and we do nothing cosmic like I said family worship by joe Beakey, but open up the quick prayer, asking for God to illuminate his word to, uh, to our, you know, our hard hearts. Um, I teach through, uh, my goal as a father is to go through every single verse in the Bible before my kids leave the home. And so, you know, just take your Bible, divide it by however many days are left for your child under your house, assuming they leave at 18. And that's what you got to get and start reading, right? And just talk through it. You don't have to have all the answers. Um, but at least so they have some familiarity with it and you could have those conversations with them before they go out into the world. Um, and then end with a, a more supplication type prayer where we pray a lot more for those around us and then sing a song. We sing a song. Um, you know, it could be as fast as 15 minutes or it could sometimes we go for an hour, especially if the discussions rolling. So, um, I would encourage for families, fathers of families to get into a rhythm of family worship as well. Yeah, we uh, we just got done reading through Proverbs and one chapter a day at bedtime. And then I ask, you know, uh, what did you hear to my youngest? And then I kind of work away through and they know, you know, that they could get called on. And I'm looking for them to just, hey, what, what stood out to you? What did you hear? And and it doesn't have to be uh, complex. You can trust that the word of God is going to have an effect on your kids even though you're not uh, following it up with this long homily of 
of that you prepared and with your three points, you know, it, it, it can, it can be simple enough. It can be some days. Um, it's, a, it's opening the Psalms and it's reading a short Psalm. It's, it's thumbing through and it's finding one that's a little bit shorter because the kids are falling apart and they need sleep really, really badly. Uh, and so we, we, we read that. Uh, but that's, you know, and I, I, I joked at trad dad, you know, just open your Bible and just, you can pick, you just open the Bible and read a verse, you know, read five verses, read a chapter. And, and after a while you can improve upon that. You shouldn't, shouldn't stay right where you're at. There's resources, but it, it, it really is that simple. Uh, mm -hmm. open the word, read it out loud, pray for your kids. And the other thing that's cool about young kids is they, they are very good at, uh, avoiding bedtime. And so if you developed a lit liturgy, an evening liturgy, you're not going to get be able to put them to bed without reading them the Bible because they'll say, oh, dad, you know, you got to read Proverbs. And, oh, you can't put me to bed yet because I, you haven't prayed for me yet. And they will hold you accountable to those liturgies. Uh, and, and, and it works out. Um, anyway. Thank you, Nate. Brandon? Yeah, it's just would be echoing a lot of the same things is just, uh, you know, have have a purpose in it and, you know, develop a plan and, make, you know, make sure you, you're doing the right things, which, you know, are, are um, you know, drawing your your kids uh, into the scriptures. And so, you know, that that's for us, it was. You know, we we would cover the passage of scripture usually for, uh, especially when they got into their teenage years. It would be for the the passage of scripture that was um, either just the previous Lord's Day or this next upcoming Lord's Day, and we would just read through that. and And I would have questions, and there was always inevitably lots of questions from from my kids, especially my daughter, who was super is super inquisitive. Um, praying with them, praying for them, teaching them to pray giving them opportunities to pray. We did, you know, we, we um, have kind of fallen out of the habit. I'm, I'm a little sad to say uh, since she got married and moved out, but we, you know, one of the things that, that was new for us in uh, starting Cormdeo was that uh, we, we, you know, we sing Psalms uh, in addition to hymns. And so that was something that was a little bit newer for almost everyone in the church and, and certainly for us. Um, and so we introduced, we, we have two new Psalms for every month. And so we, we would sing them. Um, and you know, we, um, oftentimes would read that particular Psalm, um, before we would sing it, uh, and we would sing it together. And sometimes, you know, we would just all sing the harmony and other time the, the melody and, and other times we would try to learn parts and sing harmony. Um, in preparation for upcoming Lord's Day, we know we're going to sing this with our church family, and so um, we want to be able to, to to sing it loud and confidently and with joy in our hearts. And so it's it basically it's just, and, and I think this is fine. It's just practicing what you're you're going to do when when you join together with your church family on uh, on the Lord's Day. And so uh, you know they, it's just it's just mimicking in a sense the same things you know the, that that are in the church you're just doing it in your home and so it's prayer it's it's getting the scriptures it's you know it is it's catechisms you know or um you know working your way through i, I worked um all the way through 
you know, confessions and, and creeds with my kids. And so um, just familiarizing them with those things is kind of like what Matt said, you know, it's, it's why it's so good to start when they're young. And we do have young families with little ones in our church that, that, um, you know, because I missed out uh, on that opportunity um, just because no one, no one told me that that's what I should be doing when, when my kids were little. And so now instilling that in the, in the young families that are in our house or in our church so that they can start young, start, start when you have kids, start immediately, start young, um, yeah. just familiarizing them with these things, introducing them with these things. And, and they retain uh, way more than, than what you think they will. Yeah. Nate, didn't you do a podcast on just do something, something like that? You're, yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So George Patton has a quote, 80% solution now is better than a hundred percent solution later. Um, you know, the quote, you know, the, the best is the enemy of the good. Right. So, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're throwing stuff out there. That's, it's really ambitious 2251 or get through the whole Bible, with your kid or something like that. Um, don't let that stop you do something like open the Bible, read a single, read John three sixteen. Just, you could talk for an hour on that. Really? I mean, um, you know, the Bible, uh, one phrase I learned from my dad was the Bible is, uh, um, deep, you know, shallow enough for a child to play in, but deep enough for a man to drown in. Right. Like it, you don't, you'll, you won't exhaust it in one verse. So just do something. Um, that would be my encouragement to those listening that, you know, could be overwhelmed or don't know where to start. Like just start doing something and it'll come in time. You'll find a rhythm, you'll find more structure, things like that. So, but it's important to do something. Amen. Amen. Well, we're coming up on two hours. I know that you guys have responsibilities to be husbands and fathers. So I'm just, I'm very grateful to all of you for your time, for your energy, for your contribution, and not just for your contributions to, uh, to the audience, but also for your contributions to me. Uh, all four of you, Matt's not here right now, but all four of you have made a huge impact on my life um, as examples and teachers and friends and brothers over the past year. So thank you for joining me on the stream. Thank you for sharing your time. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, hard fought wisdom and knowledge with people and, uh, and your hearts as well. So I'm very, very grateful. If you guys have any final words you want to say to the audience, the audience listening now or in the future. Well, I think right. one thing that, uh, the, we have eternity. Um, and, and so there can be kind of this desire to, as a young man to try to do it all immediately, but there is that assurance of, of an eternal hope that we have and to start little by little now and and with that hope of of eternal glory so thanks will so much for putting this together and uh looking forward to taking the next tale with you amen, amen. brandon garrett no? yeah I just, uh, i'm honored to be with you guys you're all a great men um will really enjoyed our friendship thanks for uh honoring me with the opportunity and uh love you guys it's been really fun so you know follow jesus follow jesus amen all right you guys have an awesome night Thank you. All right. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.